Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. When I speak on miracles, it's extra special because I'm a product of a miracle, and I know there's some of you watching right now that you too are a product of a miracle. God did a miracle for you that had it not been for the Lord being on your side, you'd have nothing to say today. You might be dead. You might have been locked up in a mental institute. Who knows where you'd be had the Lord not pulled through for you. So do, you know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, I believe it is, freely you have received, now freely give. God gave you a miracle. Now give, you know, Help share this message, this gospel of miracles to others by sharing this on your Facebook and on your YouTube so that others who are in a rut, some people, especially in the last year and a half, are going through the toughest time of their life. Help be the connection between God's word and their spirit that has the power to lift them up out of that small place, to lift them up out of that sickness, out of that disease, out of that impossible situation so that they can they can not just you know feel peace we're not here to make people feel peace we're here to break the chains of hell off people off individuals the gospel is not jesus going around wrapping his arms around people and telling them everything's going to be all right just trust the process the gospel is very clear jesus's mission was very clear the son of god first john 3 8 was made manifest to do what not to bring encouragement not to give people hope so that they can keep on hanging on no the son of god was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil the work of the devil the devil's not a gentleman we're not going to treat him as such the devil's not going to suddenly one day say you know what i think i've done i think i've done a little too much damage to this one let me go on to someone else this guy needs a break the devil's not a gentleman you can't passively just expect him to leave you can't have a passive aggressive attitude with him you have to see scriptural keys from the word of God wherein you develop a violent faith where you can counteract the attack of the devil to see to it that he he not only takes his hand off you that one time but he understands now every time I stretch my hand towards that one my hands get burnt every time I stretch my hand against that one something bad happens you know it's almost like in Christianity, people shy away talking about deliverance. They shy away talking about sickness. They shy away uh, in talking about miracles because they say every time I, you know, every time I venture out in miracles or I talk about deliverance, seems like the devil does something to me or someone in my family. And it's like they're they're scared of the one whom the Bible says when you resist him, he's the one that runs from you as in terror. So when I talk about miracles, when I talk about healing, when I talk about casting out devils, I'm I'm not taking it from a position of, oh, I mean, after this, you know, I, I attacked him. He's going to probably attack me. No, I know that this is a sword that has the power to break people free and to keep people free. I'm a product of that. God not only broke me free from the onslaught of hell, God not only took me out of the powers of hell, he delivered me from the powers of darkness and transferred me into a kingdom of light, a kingdom that reigns over darkness. A kingdom that is not of this world. Uh, the Bible says we have been translated into heavenly places.
places to be seated in Christ Jesus far above principalities and powers. We're not on the same level. We're not playing the same game. The devil is under our feet. The devil is not eye to eye with you. The devil is not even a little under your eyes, under your neck. The devil is under your feet. And so I'm believing God that a new generation of Christians are rising up, even from this broadcast, who aren't going to be, well, you know what? Uh, you, you can try all you want to do things in life. Ultimately, there is a devil out there that wants to. Yeah, there is a devil that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came so that you can have dominion over the things that used to dominate me. I'm no longer under the authority of Satan. I'm no longer under the 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 the." the tyranny of the devil i'm no longer under the authoritarian regime that he had set up over my life no i've broken free from that i serve another king his name is jesus and he is king of kings and lord of lords and because he's on my side i know i'm gonna make it through because he's on my side there's nothing that can stand against me that can prevail no weapon shall prevail that is formed against me no weapon shall prosper that is formed against me if god is for me who can come against me if the Lord is my helper and he's my light and my salvation then whom shall I fear if the Lord is the strength of my life then what shall I be afraid of I'm only going higher and higher because the path of the just shines brighter and brighter and we go from glory to glory because we trust in him so share this broadcast and let's see the devil and the kingdom of hell wrecked another time today the Bible says Christ has disarmed Prince principalities and powers and made a public humiliation of the devil openly triumphing over him at the cross we're gonna we're gonna continue to that's what the gospel is the gospel is man was humiliated by the devil man was debased man was crushed jesus came did what we couldn't do so that now we can humiliate the devil everywhere we go now we can crush the devil everywhere we go now we can have overwhelming victory everywhere we go because of jesus christ who stands with us i want to read i entitled this message today miracles don't just happen because all of this that i'm telling you right now is wonderful i'm sure some of you came in maybe you had a frown but that frown's been turned upside down because you can't hear this gospel this word and stay depressed the bible says in the presence of god is fullness of joy at his presence uh, pleasures at forevermore at his right hand pleasures forevermore so when you start hearing about his word the bible says jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, his words were found and I did eat them and they became for me the joy and gladness of my heart. When you start to read the word, it's impossible to stay depressed because it shows you who you are in Christ Jesus and that you're not the tail, you're not beneath, you're now above and you're now the head. That the things that used to reign over you, sin no longer has the ability to, dom to have dominion over you nor to reign in your mortal body. So it brings joy. But there ha you have to understand that miracles don't just happen. They, they're not just random sovereign acts of God like some people teach it. That almost like God has days where he's a little more uh, prone to like you than others. And so he decides, you know what, this guy, 
This guy's been sticking in there long enough here. Zam, get a miracle. And that's not how it works. It's not like he's playing a game of duck, duck, goose. And he sees, you know, he passes over some and then at random, it's like there's a lottery machine in heaven. And now serving number 84. Number 84, please come and get your miracle. That's not how it is. Miracles are not random. I want you to write that in the comment section before we move on to other things. Miracles are not random. Miracles are not random. They're not some... Uh, sovereign intervention of God that has absolutely no uh, tail on man's cooperation. That it's just God in heaven and uh, at random. He's just selecting certain individuals that he likes more than others. Or maybe there's other people that are struggling hard and he says, well, there's a process you need to go through in order to get to the other side. But other people, they've already passed that process. No, that's not how it works. I want to read something. First and foremost, before we move on, Luke chapter 7, before you can, <laughs> you can receive a miracle, you have to understand that God is the God of miracles. Luke 7 verse 18. And the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or should we look for another? When the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the, they said, John the Baptist has sent us, saying, Are you the coming one, or should we look for another? And that very hour, Jesus cured many of infirmities, of afflictions, and evil spirits. And to many blind people, he gave them sight. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard. You might have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. The gospel is not an oral presentation. The gospel is a show and tell. We're not just to tell people Jesus is alive. We are to show people by many infallible proofs that Jesus is alive. Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed are those who are not offended because of me. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, if you're just joining me now, welcome to the broadcast. You'd help me a great ton if you'd share, the, share this broadcast. Hi, Nicola. God bless you. Hopefully we'll get to Toronto sooner than later. Acts chapter 1, because you guys are in like, you guys have like a police state set up right now. I'm hearing it's pretty bad there. Acts 1, verse 1. The former th account that I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. He didn't just teach. See, if you make Christianity as some... Uh, you just batch it in with every other religion that we're just another religious teaching. We're just a, a different... Uh, a, a different area in the buffet. We're just a different meal on the buffet list. Then you're gonna have you're gonna live a very confused life. If you just think that Jesus was some orator that came and told people to love one another and uh, that we should have peace amongst each other. First of all, that's not even true. Jesus said, "I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword." So there's some people who distort the words of Christ, but at that, Jesus wasn't just some philosopher. He wasn't some, just a teacher. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi, but that's not where his ministry ended. He wasn't just a prophet who foretold of things that are to come. If you believe that, then you're just putting Jesus in the same basket that Muhammad is in because Muhammad was a teacher. Muhammad was, 
they, they claimed him to be a prophet. They claimed him to be a, um, you know, a man sent from God. But Muhammad never did any miracles. Muhammad never healed the sick. They don't even claim. He doesn't even claim to have ever done that. Because if you've never done it, it's a very uh, reckless thing to start claiming you have. Because if people start to investigate it, they're going to find you to be a liar. So he just stayed, stayed out of it. And just he didn't even claim to do anything. But the Bible shows from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just referring to the life of Jesus Christ. Who is the incarnate God. Who is God in the flesh. That he didn't just come around encouraging people. He wasn't reading Hallmark cards to people. Trying to you know encourage them and give them hope to just endure a little while longer. Because your breakthrough is coming. That's what I want to break in you today. Behold your breakthrough is coming. Junk and garbage message that people people give because they have to excuse their lack of power in setting the captive free that's where ministers get into that whole your season you're you're in a season of waiting you're in a season of patience right now where god's got to take you through the valley to get you to the mountaintop where is that in the bible it's not found anywhere people who ministers christian leaders that say you're in a season of you know you pay 300 to go to their conference only for them to tell you you're in a season of waiting you're in just hold on a little while longer oh you just got to get your anchor in that boat uh, you got to anchor down in the storm and the storm's gonna subside and things are gonna turn for you you know you're paying 400 to for them to tell you something i anybody can tell you just hold on time heals all that's a worldly principle that's a demo doctrine time doesn't heal all there are people who've been waiting for a miracle from 1976 to now and they're still waiting for a miracle they're still being patient in their inflict affliction and infirmity knowing that god's working all things together no the bible doesn't teach you wait for miracles the bible teaches that you are to contend contend in faith to provoke a miracle of god so that he can intervene in your affair and take you out Take you out of that problem. Take you out of that distressing situation. Take you out of that sickness and disease. So the Bible says Jesus began to do and to teach. He didn't just teach. He did. He did. The Bible says they brought to him all that were sick and all that were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to him in the prophet Isaiah that he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains the Bible says in another area that they brought him at the sea of Galilee those that were lamed those, those that were lame, those that were maimed those that were deaf and blind and sick and the multitudes marveled because they left there still sick but there was a glimmer of hope in their eyes no, they left there the multitudes marveled, marveled as they were leaving that, that revival meeting because they had seen the main made whole. They had seen the deaf hearing. They had seen blind eyes open. They had seen lame, paralyzed legs jolt back to life and people running around. And you want to know the good news? Is that miracle ministry didn't stop when Jesus died, rose again, and went to heaven. He didn't say, now that I'm going... Don't you think you can go out and do all these miracles that, I'm sh that I've been doing? Don't you get ahead of yourselves and think that you're anything great because you're going to find out real soon that none of this applies to you. So actually, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, I've actually heard that you're about to write this gospel uh, about me. You're, about, you're documenting all these stories about me. Why don't you just put an asterisk at the end of each of your books and say, by the way, none of you can do any of the things you've seen me do. No, matter of fact, it's the complete opposite. John chapter 14 and verse 12. Hallelujah. 
Oh man, it's going to be a good day for the people of God that have tuned into this broadcast and a bad day for the kingdom of hell that have been that has been holding you down far too long. The Bible says weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You too shall experience that joyful morning in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 14 and verse 12, the th- Jesus telling his disciples, the things that you've seen me do, don't get discouraged because I told you I'm about to leave. The things that you have seen me do, you will do also. And greater work shall you do because I am going to the Father. Jesus taught, don't get discouraged that I told you I'm going away. I'm going to send you another helper, the Holy Spirit. And he who's been working in me. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus was the Son of God and is the Son of God. But while he was on the earth doing these miracles, he didn't do the miracles as the Son of God. He did the miracles as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why you don't see him do any miracles when he's 18 years old. You don't hear of any miracles being done at seven years old. You don't hear of any miracles being done when he was 29 years old. You don't even hear miracles being done uh, any time before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and went to fast and pray to secure power with God. And then Luke 4, 14 says, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and many signs and wonders broke out. Then he gets into the synagogue, the same synagogue he grew up in, the same synagogue he had read the scrolls before, the same synagogue that he actually, the Bible says it was his custom to stand up and read the Bible, read the scriptures. But on that day, after, hallelujah, after he had been uh, empowered by the Holy Ghost, you know, Jesus said in John 14, uh, Philip, don't marvel. He that has seen me has seen the Father. When I speak, I don't speak on my own authority. He said, the Father who dwelleth in me, he does the works. So it was the Spirit in Christ doing the works. That's why when Jesus stood up in the same synagogue, the same church he grew up in, but on that day after he had been baptized and empowered by the Holy Ghost, he opened up the same scroll he had maybe read many times before. But he found the place where it was written of him, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to release the captives to set at liberty them that are oppressed to give recovery of sight to the blind to give uh, to mend the brokenhearted and the bible says when he closed the book everyone's eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him so that means Something was different. He carried weight on his words now. He carried divine unction with God when he spoke. He, the Bible says they marveled at his gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, this man does not preach like the other scribes preach. This man, he preaches with exousia, which is divine power with God, delegated authority and power from heaven. So there was something different about Jesus, but he didn't just go around teaching. He laid hands on the sick. He, the Bible says, went into a synagogue and there was a man there who had a withered head and Jesus saw him there and he said, stretch out your head. He didn't bring him up to the front of the altar, at the front of the pulpit and say, hey, I want you, I want you all to see uh, an illustration here, a lesson, a valuable lesson. You see this man who's had a withered hand since birth? Well, I want, you, I want to just uh, com- commend him today because even though he's had this withered hand this whole time, he's never, he's never been discouraged. He never 
gave up and quit. He's all, he didn't commend him for that. He, he said, hey, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. And when he did it, his hand was made whole, as whole as the other. So if you just relegate the Bible to just another religious teaching, ultimately, you know, Jesus came to teach us how to love one another. And though he did miracles in his gospels, and even in the book of Acts, there's some miracles. We know that now God's moved on to a different program where we're just to love one another. And people, people always ask, you know, I, I see what the gifts of the Spirit and, uh, you know, what it entails and the working of miracles and it talks about power gifts and stuff. But I, I choose to go by the higher way, which is living by the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and patience. It's like you, you have no power in your own ministry, so you have to tell people, I've chosen the higher way. Like you falsely humble nitwit. How prideful do you have to be? Instead of just admitting, man, I need to fast more. I need to pray more. Instead, I've chosen the higher way. And they all have that false religious tone. I've chosen the higher way. You know, some people focus on the gifts of the Spirit. I've chosen the more excellent way just to love. And they use 1 Corinthians 13. Because 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is the, the gifts of the Spirit chapters of the, of the New Testament. And 1 Corinthians 13 Paul says, but still, I'll show you a more excellent way. And then he talks about love, being patient, kind. And he says, if I have all the, the gift of faith and I have, if I have prophecy so as to encourage everybody, if I have uh, the gift of faith so as to move every mountain, but I have not love, I am nothing. I've become a clanging cymbal and a noisy brass. And so they take that like love's the highest way. As long as you love one another, you don't have to work any miracles for anybody. You don't have to tell people they can be recovered from that sickness. You don't have to help people in their disease and distress, anxiety, and panic attacks. You can just tell them to love and that, you know, that's, that's the crux of Christianity. And I don't disagree. That is the crux of Christianity. Love is, God is love. But the Bible's, that chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, which by the way, when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in chapter and verse. Man added that to just, you know, sectionalize it and, and make it easier to reference. But that was a completely fluid transition from 1 Corinthians 12, 13 to 14. Because Paul is saying that the gifts of the Spirit are activated by faith and love. That if you have not love, these gifts are not going to operate properly they're not going to function properly in your life so he wasn't saying here's all these wonderful gifts but ultimately scratch that scratch all of chapter 12 because i'm going to show you that love is actually the highest no love is actually the propeller that shoots that catapults these gifts into motion hallelujah so I'm, I'm not that type of minister that's going to excuse lack of power. When I see, when I lay hands on people and I don't see them recover, when I don't see miracles happening regularly, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and blame God. Well, ultimately God has a different way. You know, man has their own way, but the Lord has his program and his agenda. No, God's program's very clear. It's very clear. Mark 16, go and preach the gospel. He that believes in my name, he will cast out devils. You don't need a university degree in English to understand that. He will cast out devils in my name. He will pick up deadly serpents. He'll drink poison and it won't even harm them. And in my name, they will lay hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover. The sick shall recover. 
So why is it that there's such this great chasm between Book of Acts Christianity and Christianity today? What we're seeing today in a lot of churches, not in all churches, because there are churches that are having miracles. There are places that are having revival. I don't like when ministers get up and just say, all churches are in the snow. You're, you're, you're arrogant. Not all churches are going down that lane. There are good churches on planet Earth. There are some of the best churches that have ever existed since, since the, the, the Book of Acts that are you know, alive and founded and established today. There's a church in Nigeria called uh, Living, Living uh, Faith Tabernacle. David Oedepo is the pastor of that church. They, they're building a 115,000-seater auditorium because of the crowds that are coming in. And you want to know, know another thing ministers that have no power say uh, to excuse their lack of power? Well, you see, they have big churches because they're preaching lies and deceit and they're trying to get people in. And Jesus said, you know, this wicked and adulterous generation seeks after signs and wonders and no, no sign will get, be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He wasn't talking about the sign of healing and, and miraculous uh, occurrences such as breaking people free from sin and all that. He was saying, these people are expecting me to like fly or do some astrological sign to like bring an, uh, a star down from heaven to show them that I'm the Messiah, but I'm not going to do it. It's a wicked and perverted generation that seeks for astrological signs. Jesus came showing signs and many infallible proofs, which was what? To set the captive free, to set free them that are oppressed, to open up prison doors, to give sight to them that were blind, to give hearing to them that were deaf, to give speech to them that were mute. Those were the signs. But the Pharisees wanted some, they didn't, they had no love for people. To them, someone getting healed, it didn't excite them, it ticked them off. That's that Pharisaical religious spirit that's in many churches today. When they see someone get healed in another person's ministry, what do they do? The first thing they do, uh, he, he does that because it's demonic powers at work in him. And if you've ever been accused of, you know, being uh, in league with, with Satan, then you're in good, you're in a good, uh, you're in good, uh, good standing because Jesus was accused of the same thing. He, he healed a man that was mute by casting out a devil. And the Pharisee said, this man cast out devils because he's in league with Satan, Beelzebub, the prince of devils. So if you've ever been accused of being demonic because you've seen signs and wonders uh, flow through you, then you're in good standing. You're in, a, you're in the same boat Jesus was in. And be glad. That's why Jesus said, blessed are you. When people uh, falsely accuse you because of righteousness sake, blessed are you for your reward is great in heaven. That's why there's at large not much persecution in the church today because there's not many signs and wonders flowing. The moment signs and wonders start to flow, then the devil will see to it that he, he steers up religious crowds to persecute relentlessly to try and suppress and snuff out that fire. But I tell you, God is about to have a tidal wave of men and women who have seen the Jesus of the Bible, seen Jesus as he really is, and are not persuaded by religious, religiously dried up, parched spirits, but are persuaded that God is who he says he is, and believe him for that, that are going to be released into the far corners of the earth. The same thing that happened in Azusa when the fire of God fell. People came from all around the world to see what had happened in that little gospel temple in Azusa, uh, California, L.A. And they didn't leave the same. 
They caught something that changed them fundamentally. And then they didn't stay there. Let's just gather around. You know, people, they love to to feel the anointing, but they don't know what to do with the anointing. You're not only going to feel the anointing for miracles today, God's going to equip you with a practical plan to know what to do with that anointing so that you can be released, dispatched as a mighty army into the far corners of this earth and you shall begin in your own Jerusalem. Your own home shall be changed. Your own, the school you'd go to shall be changed. Your immediate surroundings shall be changed as God unlocks this new dimension of the Holy Ghost in you today. In Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, shout amen wherever you're at. Let me continue reading. The Bible says, all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Verse 3. To whom Jesus also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs. For far too long we've heard about the miracles of the Bible. As if God died. And like we visit this book like it's some museum that we can just, you know, collect its relics of the past and just give us hope for today that, you know, God's got it. That's not how miracles come. That is not how miracles come. Miracles are the suspension of natural law to make way for a supernatural law. So you have to understand, first and foremost, what a miracle is. A miracle is God's intervention into the affairs of men provoked through faith. A miracle comes as a result of our responsibility, our cooperation with God to bring it about. And you can see that in, in the, even in the Red Sea party. Moses gets to the Red Sea and begins to complain, Lord... You know, what are we going to do here? The Israelites were complaining against Moses and God saying, have you brought, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to die here? And Moses cries out to God. God speaks back to Moses and he says, why are you crying out to me? What are you crying out to me for? I gave you that rod. With it, you shall do signs and wonders. And he said, take that rod, which is symbolic of the word of God, because Isaiah says, a rod shall, shall spring forth from the stem of Jesse. And that rod was Jesus, prophetically speaking. Moses carried that rod, which was almost like a type of Christ coming with him. Because God said, with the rod, you'll do signs and wonders. It was a type of the power of the Holy Spirit that Moses carried to do signs and wonders. And God said, take it and wave it over the Red Sea. And it shall come to pass that when you do that, the Red Sea will part. And what happened? That's how the miracle came to be. It wasn't God saying, oh, sorry, I was on break here. And the sea split. God required Moses' cooperation for the parting of that sea. A miracle is the suspension. It's the removal of human or natural barriers so that divine energy can flow through you, through you. Take note of that. Through you. Not despite of uh, despite you, not not apart from you, but through you to bring about divine work, a supernatural occurrence. You know, you look at like missionaries today. You want to know why most a lot of churches have no influence in their own cities? You want to know why some? I mean, there's some churches where like if. Uh, 
If you ask people on the street that that church is located on, that if you know, do you know that this church exists a couple of blocks away from you? They, most people, most neighbors would not even, they wouldn't even know they existed. Why? That's not how it should be. Jesus wasn't walking around Jerusalem as some non-entity that nobody even knew he existed. The Bible says <laughs> of the book of Acts Christians that when Paul went into a new city, they already knew who he was and they said, this man, or these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. But why is it that in most places, the church is like a non-issue? People don't even know they exist. They have their own little parties behind their four little tiny walls. And they have their own little tiny revivals, quote unquote revivals, because revival, it's impossible for revival to stay in the church. When a true revival breaks out, the, the community is going to know about it. But they have these little tiny parties to themselves exclusive parties and nobody in the surrounding region knows about them why why is that when jesus began to operate in signs and wonders the bible says his fame spread throughout the surrounding regions all the way to syria different country in a day where there was no facebook there was no instagram now you have missionaries that go overseas and what do they do they're passing out socks trying to gain influence with the, the tribal people. They're, you know, we're going we're gonna to build you some houses and paint your roofs. Thinking that that's the Great Commission. That's not the Great Commission. That's not what gave this book uh, influence in nations. That's people's hearts. You look at John chapter 4, there was that woman at the well in Samaria. Jesus came to her and through the word of knowledge began to tell her everything about herself. So it wasn't Jesus coming out and saying some cute, you know, quotes that he had heard from the past. It wasn't him coming out and, and uh, you know, giving out his best sermon that convinced her, man, this guy is special. He's such a, a mighty orator. No, it was through the word of knowledge, a sign and a wonder that unlocked something in her that said, this man's not a regular man. This man must be the Messiah. And she went into her town, told everyone about him. They came out. He began to do signs and wonders. And the Bible says, and many believed on him when they saw the signs that, that they saw him do. When they saw the signs that he performed in their midst. The Bible says in, Acts chapter, uh, in Romans chapter 15, Paul said that my gospel had influence because in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit, I fully preached it everywhere I go. Now you have missionaries that are handing out socks, painting roofs. They go overseas and teaching English. We're here to teach English. and It's like, you go, you talk to some missionaries, it's like they come back and, you know, I learned their culture. We actually learned their foods and how to eat the way they eat and stuff. What did you teach them? Well, we're, we're still working on that. It seems like they're impacting you more than you're impacting them. It's like most missionaries, they should just rename their ministry to like, I'm, I'm here to explore the world. Trying to find myself, exploring the world. And they call themselves a missionary so they can collect donations from others so they don't have to pay for any of it. But um. <laughs> First of all, there is no missionary in the Bible. A missionary is someone who goes overseas and falls under apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. 
So you're one of the fivefold ministries, which is for what? The edifying of the church, the equipping of the saints for the building up of the kingdom of God so that men, so that, uh, you know, the kingdom of God can be advanced. So if you're a missionary and you do that, maybe, you know, hopefully this, this will help you, you know, change a bit. Because... I'm not trying to beat anyone down, but I want to show you that people aren't going to get one to the Lord uh, because you pass out socks. If that were the case, the Red Cross and humanitarian efforts of the world would, would, would be bring, ushering in the mightiest revivals because more money is being pumped into humanitarian efforts today than ever before. But obviously, that's not the blueprint for revival. So... Before I get like sidetracked, let's get into miracles don't just happen. I want to go through four ways you can provoke a miracle. Number one is you need to recognize that a miracle is not the product of patience. The miracle is a product of faith. I want you to write that in the comment section. A miracle is not the product of patience. A miracle is the product of faith. Turn to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 1. How many, how many of you heard? And you don't have to like lift your hand or anything, but how many of you have ever heard that, that statement? That you're in a season of waiting. Or that you're in a, you know, you're, you're going through the process. That if it wasn't for the process, you'd never receive the promise. How many of you ever heard that? And they use Abraham as like, you know, Abraham waited and he endured... When your life is being used to introduce and usher in a new dispensation in the plan of God, which there's only like seven dispensations, then yes, maybe you can go through the process like Abraham went through. And by the way, Abraham was believing God for Isaac, who was the promised child that through Isaac, the rest of the world would be blessed. Through Abraham's seed, Isaac, and then through Isaac, the rest of the world would be blessed, not through Ishmael. So when you become the... Um, custodian of a new dispensation in the plan of God, you go ahead and use Abraham for whatever you want. But Abraham's story was not a, a which by the way, Abraham did not have Jesus's blood. Abraham did not have the promises that Exodus tells us that no woman shall be barren amongst all your tribes. Abraham didn't have what we have. Abraham was just going out based on one word from God that if you'll listen to me, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So people that use Abraham or if he used Job, you know, Job had to endure. Job didn't have a Messiah that was standing by him, that had died a brutal death, shed his blood so that we can have right standing with God. So people that use Job, or I'm in a season of waiting, you, you, don't know, you don't have any idea what you're talking about because Job cried out in Job 9.33, if only my, my, there was a mediator between me and God who can put his hand on me and his hand on God so that there can be peace between the two. Job didn't have a new covenant sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're under a better covenant established and based on better promises. So we should expect better things. So before I get into, you know, point one, I wanted to just, because I know some of you have been taught differently, and um, I, I, I don't want to, like, you know, you tune off to the rest, I'm, tune out from the rest of them. Uh, of the stuff I'm about to say because you've been taught two stories. You know, everybody points to two stories whenever like things don't happen right away. They point to Job 
They point to Abraham, and then that's pretty much it. But I want to remind you that if you study, which by the way, Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of God, unhindered by human flesh. And everywhere he went, he didn't tell people to wait. He didn't gather around the leper that came to him. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Well, you know what? You're going through the process. And my father has told me that if you'll just keep on, you might not receive your healing here. When you make it past those pearly gates, you'll finally feel smooth flesh that you've all... No, he didn't do that. If I'm willing, I am willing. He almost got offended. Be made clean. And he touched him and the leper was clean. He was healed that very moment. Jesus never told people to sit and wait in their affliction because some supernatural, mysterious plan of God was working through that affliction. Never. Matter of fact, turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, now this is Jesus, the exact representation of the nature of God. There was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. They were waiting for their season. A certain man there, sorry, verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain season or a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Don't you want to be made well? And that's the same question Jesus is asking you today. Whatever area you need a, mirac a miraculous breakthrough in today, whether it be in your finances, in your health, in your family, in your mind, wherever it might be, in your business, God is asking you today, quit making up excuses for why you're in that place. Quit making up excuses as to what led you to this place. Instead, you know, notice how he didn't say, hey, can I hear your story? I'd love to know why you're, you're paralyzed. I'd love to know your story. What's your background? No, he, he went straight to the root. Do you want to be made well? And then because he had such religion built up into him, look what he answered. Sir, I have no man. I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is steered up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus totally ignored that. And he said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, I want you to write that in the comment section. Immediately. You can have an immediate change of story today. If you'll set your faith to expect that from God, if you'll drop that religious jargon that we're just holding on in God's timing, God's timing clearly is now. God is not going to push off till tomorrow what you're ready to receive from Him today. All, there's a parable Jesus told uh, in Luke. He tells uh, of a man who was making a feast. He was making a beautiful banquet, which is reference to everything the gospel would make available to us. The gospel is an invitation to a banquet. The Bible says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It's an invitation to a banquet in which healing is served, deliverance is served, supernatural restoration is served. 
And so this man sends out his servants to issue out invitations to others. And the invitation went as such. All things are ready. All things are ready. Not things are getting ready. How many of you know things are getting ready to turn for you? No. All things are ready. Because if you have this mindset that things are going to change or that God is, has an appointed time to help you, then you're not going to have absolute certainty to receive that help here and now. Where, and that's what faith is. It's certainty that God will help you now. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, whatsoever thing you pray or you desire, pray for believe that you have received it not believe that you will receive it believe that you have received it received it good good scripture lisa the expectation of the righteous will not be cut short your expectation is what's gonna set the bar for what god does for you and if you'll notice people that are waiting people that have been waiting for a miracle 10 years ago are still waiting if you're waiting for a miracle, you will die waiting and never receive your miracle. You have to apply scriptural keys to unlock that miracle for you today. And number one is recognizing that a miracle is not a product of patience. It is a product of faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, that whole doctrine of we're waiting for God to do something is based on hope. But the Bible doesn't say when Jesus healed that woman with the issue of blood, daughter, your hope has made you well. The Bible says, daughter, your faith has made you well. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is important. You have to hope. Hope is just another word for expectation. You have to expect God to do something for you. Or else you have no faith to substantialize what you're hoping for. But if all you're doing is living in the realm of hope, where you're just living in this dream realm, where I'm dreaming for help, I'm hoping for help, you know, just, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm dreaming for a breakthrough. I'm wishing. You're in this realm of wishes and like that statement says, if wishes were horses, poor men would ride. Because that's not about just, you're not to wish. If you just stay in the realm of hope, nothing will ever turn. Faith is what substantializes your expectation. And what is faith? Faith is being fully persuaded that what God has promised, He is able and willing to perform it for me now. Luke 1.45, blessed is she who believed, for there shall be a performance of those things spoken to her by the Lord. Blessed is she who believed, what did that believing do? There shall be a performance. Your faith is what releases God's performance for the task that you're believing him to do. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is what reaches into the unseen realm of hope. Because remember, faith is a substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not yet seen. It's not the evidence of things that don't exist. They exist, but they're not yet seen. Faith has its evidence in the Word of God. It's like Paul when he was sh uh, on that ship, and uh, for many days it had been tempest-tossed by Euryclidon, that, that storm that uh, Paul said, we shouldn't venture out on the sea because I perceive that there's going to be a storm and it's going to cause the loss of many lives, maybe even of the ship. And they went anyways. 
But after many days of being tempest-tossed, having not heeded what Paul had said, Paul stepped up on day 14 and said, Brethren, I believe God that it shall be exactly as I have been told. And God told me we're not, not one life will be lost, only the ship. And we're going to make it to the other side. So Paul stood up and said, I believe God that it shall be exactly as I've been told. That's exactly what faith is. Faith finds its evidence in what God has said. And we then pull down what we're hoping for into the seen realm, into this realm of reality based on our faith. Faith substantializes. It makes, it materializes. It brings to reality the things that we're hoping for. So if all you're doing is hoping for, you'll hope and die. But if you have faith now, a word from God that shows you what you're believing for, what you're hoping for, God desires for me to have it now, then things are going to turn, things will turn quickly for you. And you see that in Matthew chapter 8. There is a man, a centurion, who comes to Jesus and says, my servant is lying at home, dreadfully tormented and paralyzed, but just say the word. So his faith was in God's word because he understood what? I understand that you're a man of, of authority. And if you'll just speak the word, I know my servant will be made well. For I too have authority. And when I tell my servant to do something, he does it. When I tell my servant to go, he goes. When I tell my servant to come, he comes. So just speak the word. That's what faith is in action. It's having absolute confidence that the spoken word, if I'll receive it in my heart and speak it out of my mouth, it has the authority to subdue the enemies that have lined up against me. It has the authority to boot out the devil in any area of life that he's messing around with. Which leads me to point number two is you need to get disgusted with what's, what, where you're afflicted in. You cannot tolerate and placate and pamper the devil's work in your life and expect to be broke, to be delivered from it. You'll never be delivered from something you're not disgusted with. You will never be delivered from something you're not disgusted with. If sickness, you just see sickness as another part of life. How many of you know we all have struggles? Some people it's financial, other people it's diabetes. Well, we all have to endure our, just pick up our cross. That's not the cross Jesus was referring to. The cross Jesus said you have to pick up is the cross of persecution for faith in his name. That when you go out and preach that gospel, not everyone's going to like you. People are going to want to kill you. People are going to want to make your life a living hell. People are going to try and put you in jail. And you have to endure that persecution to the end and be faithful to it. Jesus never said you can pray off persecution. But he did say you can have dominion over Satan, disease, devils, and, and sickness. So if you just, well, I'm just enduring it as a faithful servant. You, you're going to be cheated from your reward because of a false humility that you've adopted through religious teachings. And I'll remind you again, when Jesus found the blind, he didn't leave them blind. He didn't tell the blind person, how many of you know that if you'll, uh, the, and the God of all power will establish you, perfect you, and strengthen you. 
There was um, Lester Summerall's mom who had a, a, a breast tumor back in, I think she was like 44 years old or something. And it began to grow and it caused her excruciating pain. And it, it, she couldn't sleep well. She would toss and turn all night. Oftentimes he said, I would hear her weeping throughout the night because of the pain that it caused on her and it was growing. And it, they had to bandage it up and all that. And it would ooze and pus and it just a messy cancer. One day, she cries out to God all night, refusing to put up with this another day. I refuse to put up with this another day. I refuse, I, I reject this thing from my body. She falls asleep. In her sleep, she has a dream of Jesus coming to her and touching the side of her breast and said, I've healed you. She wakes up and tells her husband, who her husband at the time, Lester Sunderland's father, was not a believer at that time, and tells him that Jesus appeared to me in a dream last night and he touched my, uh, the cancer on my breast and said that he healed me. What a wonderful dream. A couple of days went on and her husband says, didn't you say that he... He came and he, Jesus came in your dream and, and touched the side of your breast and healed you. Why do you still have all that bandaging on? Why don't you take it off? It's like she, he had more faith for it than she did. And so she goes in the mirror, takes it off, and she's awestruck as she sees that there's kind of like this octopus-looking black object that had fallen off of her. And under it was smooth baby flesh and skin. And she came back in and showed her husband. That cancer had dropped off her. She hadn't experienced the pain in the last couple of days. But she didn't have faith to actually unbandage her and, and like, you know, open it up. And see for herself. But when her husband, who seemed to have more faith un, as an unbeliever than she did. When she, he compelled her to go and take that thing off. She goes and takes it off. There's no more cancer anymore. And she lived 45 more years after that to almost 90 years old and never had cancer again. But I want you to see that that came as a result of her coming before God and saying, I, I ref enough is enough. I'm not going to tolerate this another day in my life. Sickness is not my portion. Disease is not my portion. Cancer is not going to be the end of my story. For he said, I will believe and I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. I tell you, whatever the diagnosis of the doctor has been for your life, no matter what physicians have said, medical science have come to the end of itself. But you'll find out when medical science can't help you, there's a God in heaven who said, if you'll call on me in faith and in violent faith, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not of. Hallelujah. I see the same way that cancer fell off her body. Every trace of sickness, every inclination of disease, every spirit of infirmity that has taken its, a step towards you in crippling your mortal body today in the name of Jesus, just like that cancer fell off her body, that devil of infirmity falls off your body in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Ye shall not die, you shall live and tell of the works of the Lord. Get disgusted with it. Hezekiah was told by Isaiah, you're going to die. Get your house in order. You know what Hezekiah did? 
How many of you know, we have our plans, but the Lord has his. And went to bed and just lived out the rest of his days. A couple of days dying of excruciating, painful death. No, he turned his face towards Jerusalem. And he said, God... Remember your covenant. Hallelujah. The devil tries to tell you every single reason why you're sick. Because you sinned here. Because you did that. Because you did that. You know, you have people. Well, you got yourself into the mess. You got to get yourself out. That's not the gospel. The devil tries to make you almost feel responsible for what you've done and what you have. You know, they came up to Jesus. Who made this man blind? Was it his father? Was it his parents? Was it his grandparents? Jesus said none. Sins in the world. But I've come as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of this world so that I can bring them in and usher in a new covenant that is based and established on better promises. God revealed himself in Exodus 15, 26. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. And I'm making a covenant with you today. If you'll walk before me and be blameless, I'll not allow any of the diseases that came upon the Egyptians to come on you. That's a covenant under the old. And the New Testament, the Bible says, we have a glorious covenant that shall never pass away if they under the old could trust in the God who was faithful to his covenant so that for 40 years there was none feeble or weak amongst all their tribe there was nobody sick never did they have to stop their journey because 10,000 people there was a virus and a plague that broke out they kept on moving and marching because Jehovah Rapha was faithful to his covenant and every time plague did break out they said Lord they reminded him of what that covenant meant for them in Exodus Exodus 15 26 and that healing power came back in and healed them and broke them free from sickness and disease I'm here to tell you you have a covenant with God God healing is not just a cherry on the top healing is not just a, a, a special privilege for specific believers and mighty men no healing is the children's bread if you identify as a child of God because you've believed on Jesus Christ you're a child of God and as such God has prepared a table for you with your name on it you gotta pull up a chair to that table grab a hold by force of that bread begin to eat it begin to eat this word of healing and it shall be life to you who find it and healing to all your flesh in Jesus mighty name hallelujah get disgusted with where you're at now sickness is not another part of life it was if you're not redeemed but Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law part of that curse was sickness and disease but Christ has redeemed me. But Christ has, has, not will, not is going to. He has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And if I am redeemed, then I is redeemed and I'm going to live redeemed. And my life, because I have a redeemer, is going to look different from someone else's life who doesn't have a redeemer. If you have Jehovah Rapha and you're in covenant with him, your life should look vastly different from someone who doesn't have a Jehovah Rapha to trust in. Stop bunching yourself in with the rest of the world saying we live in a fallen world. Yes, but I've been delivered from this corruption of this present wicked age into the blessing of God. God hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And part of that blessing is healing for your body today. I want you to take your right hand wherever you're sick in your body. I want you to place it wherever it is. If it's just a litany of sicknesses just put it all right on your head and in faith we're going to use as if the nail scarred hand of jesus 
was being laid on you as a point of contact. I want you to lay hands. If, G, if the Bible says we can lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover, it doesn't just mean lay hands on other sick people. If you're sick in your body, you have weapons in these hands. Weapons of warfare. You know, they used to call in uh, the days of Bush when they were going into Afghanistan that they had weapons of um, mass destruction. Well, I want you to start to see your hands as weapons of mass destruction against sickness and disease. These aren't normal hands. When I lay these hands on sick people, I'm not just laying flesh and blood. No, under these hands is the nail-scarred hand of Jesus Christ. That by his blood, Christ, the Bible says, by his stripes, he has healed us. When those stripes were taken on his back, it released a flood of healing power towards mankind. That when I take in faith as a point of contact, laying my hands on sick people, that healing flood begins to be directed their way. And the sicknesses that held them down begin to break free, break off their lives. I want you to take those hands right now and lay them wherever you're sick. And in faith right now, in Jesus' name, I curse that sickness in your body. I curse it at the very root. In Jesus' name, you must leave that body. I command you by the authority of the gospel that's been vested in me as a minister of, of reconciliation. An ambassador of heaven, which the Bible says a good ambassador brings health. As a good ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, I release divine health your way now in Jesus' name. Receive divine health now. And the last day you ever suffered with that plague in your body is the last day you ever suffer from today onward. You are emerging whole, strong, and healthy because of that quickening spirit in you. Hallelujah. Get disgusted. Number three, you need to understand that obedience is what provokes God to act now. They, they were at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And they ran out of wine. What did Jesus tell them to do? Fill the water pots with water. Mary told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, that do. So there's something you can do. When you ask God for a miracle, God is going to give you an instruction. When you carry out that instruction, that is what's going to release the miracle. It's like a point of contact. It's a point of faith. That The obedience towards God, even if it sounds ludicrous, Naaman, the Syrian commander of the army, comes to Elisha and presents himself saying, come and heal me. Elisha doesn't even leave his house. He tells him, go into the river Jordan and dip yourself in seven times. Naaman got offended. Am I like a regular guy? Because he was like a, he was a, a royal, almost like royalty in that day. You think I'm just some regular Joe Schmo? You won't even come out? And he thought he was going to perform some, you know, Great show. And some people are so looking for the spectacular that they're missing the supernatural. Some people are so obsessed with looking for the magnificent, they're missing their own miracles. You'll find out that God's a very simple God. Peter, let down your net on the right side of the boat. Uh, I've toiled all night. I'm a professional fisherman. I think I know what I'm doing, but nevertheless, at your word... I'll let down the net. So he launched out into the deep and then he caught so much fish he had to signal to other boats to come and help him. You look at that widow of Zarephath. Elijah comes and she says, I have just this one last piece of bread that I'm about to cook and eat me and my children and then we're going to die. Elijah says, make me first a cake. I'm telling you the truth. This is the last food I have. Make me a cake first. 
and then eat for yourselves. And if you'll do this, the bin of flour you have will never be used up and the jar of oil will never run dry. And so she did it and the word of the Lord came to pass. And for the duration of a drought where everyone else had not, they didn't have enough to feed their own mouth, let alone their families. The Bible says for the rest of that drought, while everyone else was trying to scavenge and obtain minimal supplies to just make it through, she, he, and her whole household, hallelujah, they were feasting on abundance. That was, that miracle of provision was provoked because of her giving, because she sowed a faith seed in obedience to the prophet. You look at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. What do you mean water? We asked for wine. Did you not hear? Jesus, do you need some Q-tips to clean your ears? We asked for wine, not water. Wine. Jesus said, just do it. They went, filled it up, which by the way, these weren't little buckets, and it's not like 2021 where you could just turn on a faucet and just you know let the water flow. They had to pump either pump the water or draw from a well. And there were, I think, 30 gallons each water pot, and there were six water pots. So imagine, that was a, a, a laborious task. And I'm sure as they were pumping, man, do you think this is going to work? Or as they were drawing from the well, whatever method of getting water they used in those days, it wasn't as easy as today. I'm sure thoughts ran through their mind. This is foolish. We want to know the good news? The foolishness of God is wiser than men. Well, I know you need a miracle, but you need to use a little wisdom, not just all that faith stuff. Faith is the highest form of wisdom because faith is believing in God's word, which is the highest level of wisdom. Hallelujah. And the Bible says when you begin to operate in this level of wisdom, which is the faith level, what eye has not seen, you'll begin to see. If you'll do the ridiculous, God will do the miraculous. If you'll do what other people think is foolish and will not do, you'll begin to taste and see what other people have never tasted or seen. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of man, God has prepared for those who love him. And what did Jesus say love is? If you have my commandments and keep them, you are the one who loves me. A lot of people have the commandments. They quote the scriptures. How many of you know Matthew 8, 21 says this. They can quote it to the, to the T, to the top, to the last dot and tittle, as the Hebrew says. But they don't keep it. It's not just having God's commandments hidden in your heart. It's when you step out in faith and obey. Matthew 14, let me read this. Matthew 14. I hope this is helping you. If you're just tuning in now, thanks for joining me today. For everyone who's stuck on, I'm so happy to be back. Uh, if you'll share the broadcast and help me out, it'd be a great help to me. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the water. Hallelujah. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. 
And they cried out for fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. That's another thing. If you're going to have a miracle today, you need to reject fear in your spirit. Do you know that fear is a spirit? Fear is a spirit. Fear is not an emotion. Fear is not just an emotion. It is not a chemical released in your brain. There is a spirit attached to fear. And if you don't deal with that thing, it'll continue to take, take room and dominate in your mind. And, uh, and then not only that, it has a physiological effect. The spirit of fear will actually drain you of strength and energy. It has a biological effect. It weighs you down. That's why when I see people delivered of that fear, oftentimes they'll say, man, I feel like I'm 150 pounds lighter because something lifted off of them. I'm telling you, the spiritual world is not seen, but it's very real. It's more real than the physical world. And if you don't deal with fear, fear will wipe you out. It'll take you out. Job, the very reason he went through that calamity was because he feared. Job 3 I think it's verse 26. The things which I have feared have come to me, and that which I have dreaded has come upon me. So what you fear, just like faith attracts God's blessing, fear attracts the devil's mess in your life. Faith attracts healing. Fear, if you fear sickness long enough, and you start to speak and voice out those sicknesses and that, and that fear of sickness, eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to dominate your life and sickness will dominate your life. But you can choose to reject fear and accept the words of faith. That's why Isaiah 53, 1 starts by saying, Lord, who has believed our report? It's a choice to believe. Jesus, uh, God said in Deuteronomy 30, I've set before you life and death. I've set before you blessing and cursing. Oh, that you would choose life, choose Choose faith today. Choose life today. Choose what David said. The Lord's my shepherd. I'm not going to lack. That's a confession of faith. Maybe he was in a time of lack. Maybe he was in a time of want. But by faith, he said, I'm not going to look at my poverty. I'm not going to look at my depravity. I'm going to look at what God's word says concerning my situation. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to lack. He leads me by still waters. It might be panic and distress all around you. But God said he leads me by still waters and I'm choosing to believe that I know that my tomorrow's gonna be all right because I choose to believe and obey God's word today hallelujah 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 choose to believe be of good cheer Peter answered him and said Lord if it's you command me to come to the water on the water and Jesus said come when Peter had come down out of the boat he walked out on the water to go to Jesus. I want to stop there and show you. Jesus didn't go and get Peter out of the boat and physically rip him out of the boat. He just said the word, come. Peter had to make a, a choice to obey God's word. He had to step out, seeing the ways of the sea. He had to physically lift up his right leg. And put it out of the boat. And then take out his left leg. And put it out of the boat. And take that first step. Nobody took that first step for him. It's not like all of a sudden two angels came. One on each arm and drag, and lifted him up out of that boat. And he began to walk on the water. Being held up by No. He had to obey. And his simple act of obedience is what released a miracle. So that the natural laws were suspended 
And what water normally does, which water obviously is not a concrete, it's not a solid substance. When someone walks out on, on water, you sink. But God, through this miracle, suspended the natural laws and made room for a supernatural law where the water was now made like concrete. He was walking on, I mean, what, what a feat. And you know what I like about that story? Jesus, uh, Peter had been around Jesus for long enough, long enough for him to see Jesus do something. And then Peter said, if that's Jesus, he'll not only do it, he'll empower us to do it. Peter wasn't like, well, that's Jesus. He's the son of God. That's why he walks on water. No, if that's really Jesus, Jesus never has done anything without showing us how to do the very same thing that he's done. And he walked on water. But then he saw the wind boisterous and was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. So if you look at everything around you, if you look at how grave of a situation you're in, if you look at how messed up things are, you know, you might not have been able to control the situation you're in right now, but you can control what you focus on from today onward. And you can choose to either fix your eyes on the problem or do what the Bible says and fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It was never Jesus' will for Peter to start sinking. Jesus, Peter sunk because he took his eyes off the prize. But if you'll stay fixed, not only will God start a miracle in you, God will sustain the miracle and he that began a good work shall complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so number four, leaving on is going on to faith. Number three is obedience provokes God to act. Number four is that obedience has to be backed up by faith. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The Bible says he considered not his own body, which was as good as dead. He did not consider his own body. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Rather, he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. So if you're sick today, if you'll look to your body, you'll never have, you'll never have faith. If you keep focusing and pondering and meditating on what the doctor said is going to happen to you and how things are going to get worse in the coming months, then what are you doing? You're setting your expectation up to stay sick. And like Lisa said before, from the scriptures, the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off, whether good expectation or bad expectation. But instead, if you'll let the word of God dictate how you believe and how you behave, then your expectation will be shifted. And I want to... If you think faith is not important, that God just sovereignly moves on people he wants to move on. You're, you're, gonna, you're never going to break free. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For by faith, we, we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Showing you that the reward never comes to those who have no faith. How many of you know if Jesus wants to do it, he'll do it? No. He went to Nazareth, his own hometown. And the Bible says he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus, the Son of God, made flesh. The incarnate Christ. Full of grace, full of truth, full of power. Who had done miracles in Mark chapter 3. Who had 
stretched out that man with the withered hand and his hand became whole. Who had in Mark chapter 5 healed that woman with the issue of blood. Had cast out the devils out of that gathering demoniac. He had seen the miraculous at work. Comes to Nazareth and he could do no mighty works there. Jesus. That's why I've told people before. There's some people. I mean I've never told them to their individually to somebody. But I've said it in a meeting. There's some people that even if Jesus were preaching tonight, they'd, they'd leave sick. Even if Jesus were preaching tonight, they would leave bound. Because you have, you have to choose to not be offended by the word of God and choose to receive and accept. He came to his own, his own received him not. But to those who did receive him, to them gave he power to become children of God. So he marveled at their unbelief. And what did he do? So if, you, if, you, if you're struggling in faith today, in believing God for healing or miraculous provision in the area of finances or turnaround in general problems of life, what do you do? You just sit down and say, man, I don't have faith. I have such a hard time believing. And just condemn yourself and just accept. Que sera, sera. What will be, will be. Or... Do you do what Jesus did? Mark 6 verse 5, the Bible says, So when he saw their unbelief, he went about in a circuit through their villages teaching. He exposed them to the word. The cure for unbelief is the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says that as he spoke, the multitudes came to hear and be healed. Paul in Acts chapter 14 was preaching. And suddenly a man was there who was a cripple from his mother's womb, an impotent, one who had never walked. And hearing Paul preach, he had faith to be healed. So you can see that faith was steered up in him as he heard the preaching. That's why I commend you for tuning in today for an hour and 21 minutes. Because you can't, you can't get around the word of God. You can't have this, force, this word forcibly punched into your spirit and stay unbelieving. Faith will rise. The word of God. If you've had a receptive attitude and spirit today. This word will get implanted in your spirit. And will produce faith. So you don't just sit around. I, I had such. Man that guy has special faith. I've just had a hard time believing for those things. You know every time something happens. Let me call pastor. He's got good faith. You can rely on people. Sometimes, you know, you can, you know, have people agree with you in prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, you have to come to the point where I'm going to take my responsibility, deliberate steps to building up faith for my own self. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, Acts, uh, sorry, Acts 20, 32, I commend you now to God and to the ministry of his word, which is able to build you up, build you up. This is the seed of faith that when you sow it in your spirit, it produces a harvest of faith so that you can have, carry the spirit of faith that in the face of opposition, you can still be speaking and declaring the word of the Lord concerning your situation. The Bible says that if you don't have faith and you doubt, you're like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro and you shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. So people that, well, that's that hyper faith. 
and they bash faith like it's some bad thing. How could you have hyper and criticize someone having a hyper faith when faith is the only thing that pleases God? When the Bible says the just shall live by his faith. When the Bible says that it's by grace through faith that we're saved. How can you criticize a doctrine that seeks to build people up in something that without it you can't even be saved? You got to wonder, at what level of stupidity people have to get to before they just stop breathing? Like, <laughs> like a minister I know says, how dumb can you, can you get and still breathe? It's incredible. Well, that's that hyper. Some people teach you that if you'll just believe God, all things will be possible to you. I'm here to tell you that God will have it his way no matter what we want. I didn't teach that. Mark 9. Mark chapter 9. Let's see what Jesus said. And for those of you that are new in the faith, I think Jesus... Jesus was an expert in uh, things pertaining to Christianity. Look at what he said. 9.23 And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe. Well, they make it to seem that if you'll believe, all things are possible. What do you mean? Either Jesus was true or was the biggest pathological liar of all time. You can't pick and choose what scriptures you're going to choose to believe. Well, the Bible says, love your enemies, so we're going to love our enemies. And then in the same breath, you know, don't go out and thinking that faith is going to answer all your problems. You're, you no wonder everybody's confused in your congregation. They don't know what to believe anymore. They think Jesus is some schizophrenic. Some bipolar. Maniac. Happy one day. If you can believe all things are possible, then, and then the next day. You know, don't go out and think that everything you believe is going to come to pass. The Bible says very clearly, blessed is she who believed there shall be a performance. If you can believe, you will say to this mountain, be moved, and the mountain will move. I see the mountain of sickness moving out of your life today in Jesus' name. I, I, I know there's some of you that it's like bubbling up out of your spirit. Faith has come alive in you. I want you out of your mouth. Speak Whatever the mountain might be, if it's a mountain of, of sickness, a mountain of, of anxiety, a mountain of depression, a mountain of un, any other type of torment, any mountain that the enemy has sought to put in front of you to prevent you from getting to the other side, I want you to take in faith now as, a, as a, a, a point of action. I want you to just say this out loud. Say, mountain, in the name of Jesus, I command you to move, and I believe that it shall be exactly as I have spoken it. And now just lift your hand and begin to thank God. Thank God that that thing is, is out today. Thank God. That the eviction notice has been put up and the devil has to move out. Thank God that today, which leads me to my next point, expect a miracle today, my final point. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Proverbs chapter 3, listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good. 
So this is God's advice to us as men in dealing with other men. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in the power of your hand to do so. Is God all-powerful? He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. God Almighty, who said, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Thou, O Lord, hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and outstretched arm. Is anything, no, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for him. The Bible says, all things are possible. With man, things are impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Luke 137. For with our God, nothing is impossible. There's no mountain that can't move when God's the one to move it through our faith. There's no Red Sea that can remain uh, in your way when you begin to provoke a miracle of God through your faith. There's no situation that is not reversible by faith there is no problem that is not solvable by faith there is no situation that can remain unchanged when your faith is alive to move it he is the unchangeable changer he is the lion of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed. And the Bible says all, he, he always leads us in all things to triumph by Christ Jesus. So don't let the devil convince you thinking that what you're facing is some special situation that God's never dealt with. No, there's no temptation. There's no trial. There's no problem you're facing today such as is uncommon to man. And God is able and he's faithful to make a way of escape for you today. So escape, expect a miracle today. Listen to this. Don't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Don't say to your neighbor... Go and come back and tomorrow I'll give it to you when you have it with you now. Is God a hypocrite? Would God suggest we deal with men in a way that God doesn't even want to deal with us? If he said you shouldn't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. And remember, in God's hand is the power to do all things. In God's hand. He is the, the one who is able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask, think, or imagine he brought the walls of Jericho down those were physical walls do you think those spiritual barriers that are preventing you from moving forward are something that are getting him to sweat if God can raise the dead do you think that high blood pressure is something that's getting him to sweat if God can open up blind eyes do you think Maculate degeneration in your eyes is something that is getting him to, 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 to worry about. Absolutely not. And if he said, don't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in the power of his, your hand to do so. It's in God's power to break you free today. God's not withholding it. Psalm 84. Listen to this. Psalm 84. Remember the devil is the resisting force against you walking into God's fullness. God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. Don't confuse the two. 
You should like make a diagram with two sides. Put God and put devil. And put on one side. God brings health. Devil brought sickness through sin. God brings prosperity. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. Psalm, uh, 20, Psalm 35, 27. Devil delights in your poverty. God delights in your peace. Devil delights in, your, in stressing you out. You should make a clear distinction on the who's doing what in your life. Or else you're going to have a question mark and you'll never have true faith to pray those things out. Because if, you, if you're not convinced that the devil is the author of sickness, how are you going to stand in perfect faith when you pray for healing? And the Bible says if you have any amount of doubt, you're unstable in all your ways, you shouldn't expect to, you shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. And that's not just doubting God's ability to do something. That's doubting God's ability as to whether he wants to do it. A lot of people are convinced God can do the miracle. How many of you know he can do it all? That doesn't do anything good for me or you. We have to be convinced today. Not only can God do it all, God can do it for me. And not only can God do it for me, God delights and desires to do it for me here and now. Psalm 8411. Listen to this. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives glory and grace. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verses 8. Listen, hallelujah. Let me just read from the beginning of this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. I hope this is helping you today. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and they were made radiant and their faces were no longer ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him to deliver him. Verse 8, pay special attention. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Fear the Lord, you saints. There is no want. There is no want. Another way to say it. There is no lack to those who fear him. The young lions suffer and they lack. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Hallelujah. That woman with the issue of blood expected to be healed that day. The Bible says she, she had spent all that she had. If you're going to get a miracle today, you got to do three things. Number one, you need to understand that God is my source. That if I'm going to receive any help, it's because of God. That cursed is the man who puts his trust in, in, and his strength in flesh. The help of man is useless. The help of man will only bring more trouble. God is the source of my deliverance today. Number two, you need to sow a seed of faith, seed of obedience. You need to, to uh, take a step of action towards that deliverance. 
You need to give something. Everything is based on, I'm not talking about financial right here. I'm talking about, although if you're believing God for financial breakthrough, then yes, you should tie a seed of faith uh, financially for that. But I'm talking about, you know, anything in life. Before you can receive, you have to give. Even in breathing, before I can take in a breath, I have to give out a breath. Or else if I'm just get, taking in breath, eventually my lungs are going to collapse. You have to give out a breath before you can receive a, ble- a breath. In the same vein, you got to sow a seed of obedience in the word of God before you can reap a harvest of miracles. And then number three, you got to expect a miracle today. That woman said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know. Not I might, not maybe, not perhaps, not let's try this. I know I will be made whole. And she touched the hem of his garment and immediately the flow of her blood was seized and it ended. That hemorrhage of 12 years stopped in that moment. And she felt in her body that she was made well of that affliction. Naaman, when he finally came and dropped all his pride, he went into the river Jordan, and he dipped, expecting, that dipping, that act of obedience, was in expectation, that he was going to be made well, and what happened, his flesh was restored, like that of a child's, Peter, on that boat, toiled all night, Jesus said, let down your net on the right side, and go out into the deep, and as he did, he expected, and what happened, a harvest of, of fish came in, Such as he had never, a man who had spent his life on the sea, saw such a catch of fish. Even he was like astonished. I'd never seen anything like that. Astonished to the point where Jesus didn't even have to convince him of being the the son of God. He got on his knees right away and said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. That man in Lystra, Acts chapter 14, was lame, a cripple, hearing Paul's words. He began to have faith. Paul, seeing that he had faith to be healed, said, stand up straight on. He had faith to expect healing for his body that day. So I want you to to set your faith. As we pray now, I'm going to pray for you. That whatever obstacle you're facing, whatever disturbance you've experienced, Now, God's not going to make a way. God has made a way. We're not looking forward to victory. We have the victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's done everything in his power to give you a life of breakthrough here on this earth. Ball's in your court. Ball's in your court. Listen to this. Show you how important expectation is. Expectation is ultimately what will set the standard of your breakthrough. If you expect small, Jesus said, little faith, little results. You know, there's little faith, there's no faith, there's um, regular faith, then there's great faith, then there's marvelous faith. So you you set the bar as to how much God will intervene in your life. Based on the level of expectation you have. You have little expectation, you'll have little results. Look what David said. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Those were words of expectation. I'm not, people, you know, we serve God, but even if he doesn't do anything else in our life. Yes, I understand your sentiment. I understand that we're not, that, you know, ultimately thank God 
for salvation at that cross, that we're gonna, we have a place in heaven. Amen. But Jesus didn't stop there. God did not spare his own son, delivered him up for us all. Will he not freely give us everything else to richly enjoy? God's not holding back anything from you. He's not saying, here, have a little salvation, but don't, don't bother me for healing. He's already decked out the table. Listen to this. Elijah said to the king of Israel, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hand on the king's hand. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Elijah said, shoot. And so he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians of Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he didn't tell him how many times to strike it. He just said, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and he stopped. The man of God was angry. And he said, you should have struck it five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you destroyed it. But now you'll strike Syria only three times. So you see, God gave him the ability to expect whatever he wanted in life. And he had only faith to expect three, three victories. The man of God was angry. Knowing the God you serve, you should have struck it five or six times. Lord, you know, you know my sickness. If you'll just, if you'll just, you know, alleviate the pain for a little while, I'll be happy. Or Lord, you know my situation. If you'll just give me a little light. I don't need the whole thing. Just a little light. I'll be satisfied. You're striking it three times when God's saying strike it seven, eight times. Knowing the God you serve. What should be the backbone of your expectation? Your understanding that God is the all-sufficient, the almighty God. That God is the one who is the God more than enough, the Bible says. The God who cannot fail. The God who said, I am the I am that I am. I am Jehovah. I'm the all, the self-sufficient God. I am the God that none of my words that proceed out of my mouth can ever return void. I am the God of all flesh and there's nothing that I can't do. I mean, right there. Believe for the best. Don't believe for the bare minimum. Believe for the best. It's man that teaches you. Don't expect anything in life. You know, don't. God's word says you should expect. You should expect the choicest blessings of heaven to come to you. We're not, we're not, we're not promised our tomorrow. We don't know what to expect for tomorrow. We just know we walk with Jesus today. I'll tell you, if you walk with Jesus today, you can expect a good tomorrow. I'll read one more scripture, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for, for everybody's miracles. And I want you to start writing them in. Whatever you're believing God for, a, whatever miracle it is you need, I want you to start in faith. I want you to write it down in the comment section, and we're, I'm going to pray with you. Listen to this, Psalm 37. This is what the Bible says about the one who walks with Jesus. Not this whole, well, you, you know... We can walk with Jesus today, but we don't know what to expect tomorrow. Listen to this. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. I have seen the wicked in great power. I have seen him spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passes away, and behold, 
he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he cannot be found. Mark the blameless man. Observe the upright man, the righteous man. That's me and that's you. Observe the upright. For the future of that peace, of that man, shall be peace. Shall be shalom. The future of that man shall be wholeness, strength. That word peace in, uh, entails everything. Wholeness, strength, financial peace, physical peace, peace in your spirit, peace in your surrounding, peace in your home, the future, the tomorrow. You can ensure your tomorrow by doing and believing God's word today. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you and until next time.